Father Soccer Charts, the podcast where priests and a seminarian talk the whole wide world of soccer in the same time as it takes for an LA Galaxy to sign another aging star from Europe. I am Father Kyle Sanders from the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and joining me is... I am Zach Tucker, a seminarian for the Archdiocese of Omaha, Nebraska, and a long-suffering Liverpool fan. Yes. Well, y'all aren't doing too bad. Uh, it could be worse. I could be a Chelsea fan this year. Yeah, yeah you could. Um, it has been too long since we have recorded a podcast, whether it be a soccer trunk or sports fathers in general. So we apologize. Uh, priests, we, we, uh, we got distracted. So, uh, You were doing priestly things. I was we, cramming my head with Koine Greek and... Various modern philosophies and I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was it's rough. It's redemptive suffering, I like to but think. So. The good thing is is that MLS has started a new season. US soccer has returned. I am so excited. The hype is real. I am so excited. It's 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 been I feel like I can actually watch soccer again. Like, I kind of got tired because, you know, Fulham, I can't watch Fulham very often because of the de- the deals that the champion uh, the championship has made uh, in the U.S. Being sports is not the best place um, for them to be. But anyway, uh, so I actually get to watch teams that I care about now uh, as opposed to just the Premier League, which is fun to watch, but I have no emotional investment. And that's part of soccer is having an emotional investment. It's less fun when you're, you know, your team is so bad that they get relegated. I mean, not that I know anyone whose team that has happened to, you know, well, at all. Yeah, well, I would <laughs> rather watch my, I would rather watch my team getting relegated than than not watch my team at all. Uh, touche. Like, <laughs> you know, at least at least I at least I can enjoy their uh, their demise. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what I mean. That didn't sound right, did it? Uh, <laughs> no, it really didn't. <laughs> three minutes in. Uh, anyway. Make a so. note, ladies and gentlemen. Make a note. <laughs> um, so we're going to start with uh, some of the transfers that have happened throughout uh, the MLS. Because uh, it has been a crazy transfer season with a lot of teams switching around, a lot of things happening. So we're going to kind of hit the highlights. The first one, uh, hitting our own Sporting Kansas City, is Christian Namath, the wonder striker, um, moves from Sporting KC to Al Garafa. Yeah, a club I had never heard of until I got on Twitter and realized that everyone was saying goodbye to Christian Namath. <laughs> I didn't I had even to know that them. Cutter had a professional soccer team, I guess, a soccer league. I guess since they're going to host the World Cup, <clears throat> um, that uh, <laughs> that they uh, that they had a professional league. But I didn't think that it would be worth bringing the quality of a striker as as Christian Amos. I mean, he 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 had MLS's goal of the year last year, making himself look like Lionel Messi against the Portland defense. Um, so, uh, he will definitely be missed in Kansas City. Yeah, I think, oh, I'm trying to think what the numbers were, but uh, he also set, uh, the MLS record of points in games, like, straight. I think it was, he had a point in his first eight straight games with, uh, Kansas City, 
Um, wow. Not only did he have MLS Goal of the Year, he also had Newcomer of the Year for Sporting. That's right. Um, so he will be greatly missed um, in that in the front line uh, for Sporting. We wish him the best of luck, though, across Definitely. the sea in that desert area that apparently has a professional soccer league. Well, I'm sure they got lots of money, and I think that's the thing. He probably just went over there, and he'll realize after two or three years uh, that there is lots of money, but not a lot of competition. Yeah, so I agree. I hope that means he comes back to sporting. Uh, yeah, sort of like uh, what happened with Didier Drogba. Mm. Um, who, anyway, we'll talk about uh, uh, China in a minute. Uh, but before we get there, we're actually going to talk about uh, Jorge Villafaña, who is a left back for Portland, who um, moved to Santos Laguna in the Mexican, the Mexican League. And he was a key part of Timber's back line uh, for their championship season last year. Uh, they will miss his crosses from the left-hand side, and he was one of the bright young players of the league. So uh, he will definitely be missed, and I wish that he would have rather moved to Europe as opposed to Mexico, because I feel like that would have been uh, like a step up for him. Um, but it also moving him moving to Mexico might also mean that he has du- dual citizenship between the U.S. and and Mexico, and so it might end up being that he'll might play for the Mexican national team. Yeah, I'm not sure. This is probably a can of worms, but I'm not sure how to compare sort of MS- MLS quality soccer to Mexican league. Quality. Um, I would say that it's comparable, uh, if not yeah. Mexico being a little bit better, because they seem to be all beat all of our teams in the in the uh, Concacaf Champions League. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. So, uh, yeah, it, Portland will will definitely miss him, though, as we'll talk about in a minute. It didn't uh, impact their opening weekend performance. So. Yeah. Yeah. It did. Uh, also, another move to Mexico, Omar Gonzalez, the uh, also dual citizen uh, defender from um, L.A. and uh, who is expected to be like the future of the back line for the U.S. national team. Really, since his injury right before the World Cup in 2014, has not played as well. Um, and so I think he was just looking for a new start. Um, in a new league, and, and I think this will be a great move for him and hopefully for the U.S. men's national team because it will give him confidence, it will give him strength, because he will be taller than three-quarters of the people. And <laughs> he'll be That's true. <laughs> He's a big man. He played uh, seven seasons uh, for the Galaxy, which I didn't realize. I knew he'd yeah. been there for a while, and then when I looked it up, yeah, he's been he's 27 years old now. Uh, and he has only ever played with the Galaxy. Um, yeah. He also, as you mentioned, he has 30 caps for the U.S. men's national team. Um, and the team he's he's going to, uh, Pachuca, Pachuca, I think is how you... Pachuca. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, generally do quite well uh, in the Mexican yeah. League. So I'm sure they're quite pleased to have acquired him as well. That's uh, Yeah, I do hope that that, that will be a, a great help because we've just had it a cast of characters in, in the, the back line of the U.S. national team to have some people that that have that remain in form uh, can be of great help to pull from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, uh, we have Perry Kitchen. Perry Kitchen was released from 
DC United, which to me, I, I still don't understand that move. I don't know how you can release uh, first a U.S. international, but second one of the one of the most solid midfielders in the entire league, and say we don't want you anymore. <laughs> like I, I, I just don't understand that. But thankfully, yeah. he has actually moved to Europe. He has been uh, picked up by Heart of Midlothian, um, which is uh, they're normally called Hearts, uh, but they uh, they. Uh, they're in the Scottish Premier League, and I think uh, I'm hoping that he will get quite a bit of playing time. I would have rather that he got a Celtic, just uh, with my connection with Celtic and friends that are fans of Celtic. But uh, um, I would wish him the best. Yeah, I was super surprised at this move. Uh, I haven't watched a ton of DC games other than when they're playing sporting, but uh, from what I've seen, Perry was the midfield. Yeah. For DC, <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, he he was the level head in the midfield. Yeah. We'll say that. Um, play. He'd been there four years. Uh, fairly good uh, enabler for the guys playing in front of him. Definitely. So I was really surprised when they just sort of dropped him. Um, but I think uh, a move to Europe, it, it's almost always good uh, from a skills perspective. So, uh, but yes, it would have been cool to see him at Celtic. Yeah. Um... But uh, I'm hoping that this will allow him to get more time in the national team and also to get some experience in a different league. Uh, I think um, that's going to be a different experience altogether. And we, we don't have any other U.S. nationals in the Scottish Premier League. So uh, he will kind of... Um, he will be an ambassador, hopefully, to bring other players in in the future if he does well. Then they're going to say, "Oh man, maybe we can pull other people from the uh, from MLS." That would be neat. Yep. So we we spoke about earlier about Didier Drogba in China. Uh, he was he moved from Chelsea to Shanghai uh, after two years in Shanghai. Moved back to Chelsea before then coming to the MLS. Well, Obafemi Martins was lured by the Chinese money and has also now moved from Seattle to Shanghai. He had scored 40 goals in three seasons with the Sounders. Um, but the lure of a big paycheck led him to um, China. I am hoping, though, that like Drogba, he's going to realize that he's going to prefer competition to money and come back to MLS. But I don't know. Yeah. He's a big man, if I remember correctly. And the Sounders need someone who can score goals, uh, as we might mention later as well. Uh, so I, I imagine that he'll be back. Um, when you think competitive soccer, uh, like we talked about briefly with Namath, I don't think China, I don't think Qatar, uh, just that's not where you go if you're looking for competition, but the money is there. So Definitely. Finally, we have uh, one of the bright spots of, really, MLS uh, in, in our youth development program, Matt Miazga, who is one of the center backs, 19 years old, uh, from the New York Red Bulls, has made a transfer to Chelsea. Now, I would have preferred that he go to another Premier League team. Um <laughs> from my own love of Fulham and Fulham hating Chelsea. But uh, um, for him also, like that makes it difficult because he's behind one of the most stable um, defenders in the Premier League 
up until this year in John Terry. Um, and uh, he moved in January, hasn't had a minute yet. So we'll see how that goes. I'm actually hoping that they decide to send him out on loan to the championship for the rest of the season. And then after Terry retires at the end of this year, or they have this shuffle that they're probably going to have at the end of the year, no matter what happens, um, if they stay in the Premier League or not, I'm hoping that he can be a part of them, of their uh, back line in the future, because he is one of the brightest um, talents that is American homegrown, as opposed to the German players uh, in the U.S. men's national team. I'm going to agree with you. Mostly because I don't know anything about Magnioska, to be completely <laughs> fair. <laughs> when I was looking at the, the notes, I was like, I really hope you're going to cover this one, because uh, yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I was able to watch him a little bit in the U.S., the, uh, the Under-20 World Cup, and he really was one of the leaders of the U.S. Under-20 team um, when we got to the semifinals, semi-quarterfinals um, of the, of the Under-20 World Cup. Um, and so... Like I was looking forward to seeing how he would do in the future because I think he will be um, integral and might even be in the next World Cup squad uh, in a few years' time, depending on you know because our back line is so malleable because nobody's really doing well um, other than Jeff Cameron who's doing fantastic at Stoke, but he never gets pulled. Um, <laughs> yep. And if you had your video on, you would see me aggressively fist pumping right now because uh, Liverpool just drew a penalty uh, in like the first ten minutes, and Sturridge buried it. So they're up one nothing on Man U now. So awesome! C- come on, you Reds. Uh, anyways, going on. Anyways, so going from um, ex players exported, we have a few players that we've imported into the MLS. Uh, the first was uh, not so much an import as a, uh, um, but he wasn't a homegrown player. He played at Stanford. The exciting pro- U.S. prospect Jordan Morris signed with his home team of Seattle and mm-hmm. uh, to kind of replace Obafemi Martins. And uh, he's going to be an exciting uh, prospect to, to watch just because he's so energetic, so... Um, but he's also clinical. He's, uh, you know, Wondolowski's energetic, and we'll get that will get him <laughs> goals. But um, it will also make him make terrible, horrible mistakes that make you wonder what is going through his head. <laughs> but Morton, Morris has also been clinical, especially with the U.S. men's national team. He helped Stanford win their first national championship in soccer ever. Uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to watching him grow in MLS. Yeah, he was, I watched him play on Sunday, uh, he started, um, and looked confident on the field, uh, he's playing for Seattle, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. it's a big, big place to, uh, play your first MLS game at, you know, in front of 45,000 screaming Seattle fans, but he looked confident, uh, he didn't, uh, he didn't appear to be sort of nervous or anything like that, uh, made some good runs, uh, up the side. Uh, so I was very impressed. Uh, admittedly, I'm not a Seattle fan, but homegrown players in the U.S. that uh, stay in the U.S. to play professional soccer is is great for the entire league. Um, and the Sounders really sort of pulled it off in uh, stealing him uh, away from Germany because uh, Werder Bremen was uh, highly recruiting him. 
out of out of Stanford, and uh, he said no and stayed in the MLS. So that's exciting news for for our league. Definitely, definitely, and it could just be that he wasn't ready to go into that because he knew that if he went to Seattle, he would start immediately, and I, I think that that's. Uh, uh, and that can give him experience to then go into Europe later on, um, where he would be able to move into a starting position as opposed to go to Werner and then being on their youth team and then trying to push in. Like, No, he can play immediately. He played in his very first game. He started in his very first game and played well. Like, I, would... I, I watched the post, uh, uh, post-match interview with him, and he said... Uh, he was at the very first MLS game played in Seattle when he was seven years old. What? Uh, or not seven. No, he would have been 14 because that was seven years ago. So he was at the very first uh, game they played in Seattle as the Sounders as a 14-year-old kid. And he said it was absolutely surreal to step on the field as a starter, you know, seven years later. It was, you know, and, and that's really, I thought that was just really cool to hear because... You know, you, you everyone remembers growing up and you're playing sports in the backyard. You always pretend to be somebody famous. You always sort of have that dream yourself. Yeah. So to, to watch that come true for, for guys really, you know, it's just fun. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now somebody in the exact opposite part of their career, <laughs> Ashley Cole... <laughs> Um, Look at that segue. Look at that yeah, segue. Beautiful. It was a good segue. I don't know why you had to you know, announce it. It was all so great that it could, you could, we could have just kept going. But anyway, but Ashley made, Cole. It made me laugh. <laughs> um, Ashley Cole, uh, after having a great career at Chelsea, moved to Roma and played the worst football of his entire career. Looked really awkward in photographs. Um and uh, has been picked up by the LA Galaxy. I think this um, is a poor move for Galaxy. I think he he brings experience to the team, but he is slow. And he is going to get beat often. He will make tackles, he'll be able to make passes, but he does not have the speed that he had when he was at Chelsea that really allowed Chelsea to do some of this stuff. Um, that's why Ivanovic was able to take his place, just because, um, you know, so. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I'm not surprised that Cole came to the MLS. I'm kind of surprised that LA picked him up. Um, it just, especially with their sort of international roster already, mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't really seem to fit. Um, it'll be cool to see but him play here, but. Yeah. He know. started. He started it's the true. match. He played. Uh, he got beat uh, in the one goal that uh, DC scored against LA this past weekend. Um, that was because he was beat. The <laughs> Marne goal just like, you know, right by him. And uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to ta- be the place, the, uh, the old man on the team. That's for sure. <laughs> Maybe they just needed some some older leadership. I'm not sure. <laughs> they have Stephen G, Stevie G. Like you can't. What? What? There's not more greater. Le- and Robbie Keane. Like those are two awesome leaders. Why do you need a third? <laughs> I don't know. I was just trying to find the silver nope, lining. <laughs> there's no silver lining. Like, maybe it's because he's a, he's a former Chelsea player. But um, it's the only I- time I've ever tried to find a silver lining for LA. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, then the LA also brought in Nigel de Jong, the Dutch international, who is coming off um, uh, some okay seasons at... Um, uh, where did he come from? Uh, Milan. Milan, yes. Um, some okay scenes is in Milan, and uh, he's more of a um, a hard-nosed uh, defensive midfielder who can uh, get the ball back and then distribute it forward. Um, I, I don't understand why they made this because it seems like he is has a very similar style of play to older Stevie G and I, I think they're trying to force Stevie G into a role that as a more the creative like attacking midfielder that I don't think he wants to be at the age that he's at and you really saw that on the field because they didn't really have chemistry in that first game and it was really kind of I hope that works out for them you know because that would be really cool to see these two great players to play together in that particular way but I, I don't know yeah, I, I love Stevie G. I'm a Liverpool fan, but he's he's gone past his prime as a creative midfielder. And De Jong is he's a oh a bulldozer in the midfield. Yeah. I, I read an I read an interview with him and he, he was saying that he grew up a, an American football fan, uh, of the Steelers actually. And the top <laughs> comment the top comment on the uh, on the article was, oh, that explains his uh, soccer-playing approach, that he plays like a strong safety. Which, to somebody who's maybe never watched soccer before, it's an excellent uh, crossover to the way Diog plays, especially defensively. Like, he is a, a very bulldozer, physical player. Um, but, yeah, again, another, another somewhat older guy who's coming over to the Galaxy. He's, I mean, he's not as old as Cole, but... 31 is eh, for professional soccer is up there so yeah it it depends on the player you know and i think uh, what what i'm kind of worried about with la is like they're bringing all these players in hoping that they'll be like Robbie Keane or David Beckham and have like this second wind in their career De Santos hasn't really worked Gerard hasn't really worked um and and i feel like they should be doing like they are with the wings where you have Legette and you have Robbie Rogers and you have uh, Giassi Zardes and these players that are coming up that are young, that are, that are really driving the team. And then you have these older guys that are just kind of like fitting in with these, I, I, I don't know what they're thinking, but. Yeah. They, the thing with LA is the past couple of years, as I've watched them try to build a team, it feels like they're just, grasping at straws and really hoping that it fits together as opposed to a, a more organic growth style. I don't know. It, yeah. It's also, I'm, I'm heavily sense. biased because I'm not an LA fan at all, but if I was, that's what I'd be thinking. It's like, Hey, this guy's really good. This guy's really good. I don't know if they're going to work together, but let's, you know, jam yeah. them together and hope they work. Yeah. yeah. Um, sort of like Tottenham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, I don't know. I, I couldn't think of a great segue. So the next, <laughs> the next player on our list is, uh, Skeltsin Gashi. Skeltsin Gashi. I can't say that 10 times. Don't ask me. He's a 27 year old Albanian international, 
um, who has been the top scorer in the Swiss Super League for the past two seasons, netting, uh, netting a total of 49 times in three years. Um, he will encounter a stiffer defense here in the United States, uh, joining the Colorado Rapids. But it'll be interesting to see because I think he can be the type of player like Chris, Chris Wondolowski where he just he wills goals to happen. He, it seems, uh, you know, in watching some of the highlight reels, that he has lots of energy and he has lots of drive. And I think that'll be good for a Colorado team that is probably the most boring in the league. Um, and so hopefully he can be a little bit of a, a, like a step up for them. Um, so <laughs> Boring and kind of bad, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, no, agreed. But this is, I think this is a big thing for their team because bringing this international guy in that's, that's uh, netted lots of goals, like, it's got to be exciting for their fans to actually have, like, hope. Like, here's this guy that can actually do something. You know, we haven't had that since we won the, you know, the MLS championship a few years back. Um, yep. And then, uh, finally, we have Ilcino, a... Um, Brazilian international who came from um, Russia uh, to play for Philly. He is also 30 years old, kind of an aging international player. Uh, had pretty good success, uh, definitely when he was in Brazil, um, younger. Um, and then, a, you know, moderate success in Russia. Uh, so he's uh, going to look uh, to bring some creativity to Philly a Philly side that really struggled last year. Um, so I'll, I'll be excited just to watch him play because that dude can make people look ridiculous. Uh, and seeing some of his highlight reels, he is uh, uh, awesome. So, uh, and then finally, we're going to go and talk about a few interleague transfers. The first one, um, with the loss of Chris Pontius, uh, DC, DC United were in want of a creativity from the wings. And so they brought in uh, Lamar Nagel um, and Luciano Acosta um, to kind of bring uh, some creativity to those wings. And uh, Seattle uh, had to give up, you know, Nagel. But I don't think they'll miss him too much because of all of the other creativity and all the stuff that's going on there. Like, you know, he'll he'll be able to be replaced. But DC is, is really looking forward to it. And he helped. Um, he scored the only goal against L.A., uh, this past weekend, and I, I think he will be a great addition to their team. Definitely. He is, this is a great pickup for DC. Uh, I mean, Lamar played great for Seattle, but uh, seemed in that team to sort of be on the, the outside. He's a little bit of an excess, um, whereas I think DC, he can really uh, grow into a core role on that team. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the guy has a cannon for a leg. Yeah. Uh, so if he gets a, a little bit of space, he's not shy about taking, you know, 30, 35 meter shots at the goal. So <laughs> he'll be fun to watch. Yeah. And then I don't apologize at all. But Brad Davis, the Houston legend, has moved to his hometown of Kansas City. And I'm sure the Houston fans are both sad and mad and confused and all these other things that their talisman after you know winning championships has decided to go to the, the evil empire that is Kansas City. <laughs> but uh, we are 
very excited to have um, Brad as an option for the team to be able to uh, replace Christian Namath, one, um, but two, just to uh, bring an extra, like, man, for free kicks. We're going to, we don't know what we're going to do. We have Phil Haber, we have Zussi, and now we have Brad, like, uh, it's going to be awesome. I am really excited to see what, what's going to happen with him this season. Yeah, I was shocked that this move happened because if you know anything about MLS, if you know anything about Houston, when you think Houston, you think Brad Davis. Like, the two are basically synonymous. He's been there since, oh, I don't even know when, like 2005 or 2006. Mm -hmm. Um, He's one of the, you know, the names when you think of that team. Um, But I'm okay with picking him up, you know? Like, (laughs) that's good for sporting. Uh, I have a couple friends who are from Houston and uh, I think livid would be uh, uh, an understatement. <laughs> I, I may have trolled them a little bit to get them that mad, but uh, it was I, I didn't believe it when I first read it on, uh, on social media. I, I waited until there was something you know official from sporting came out because I, I thought there was no way he was going to leave Houston. But uh, yeah, welcome to Kansas City, Mr. Brad Davis. Apparently he bought... Uh, an, a bar, an entire round of beer uh, during the match on Sunday. He didn't make the trip to Seattle, so uh, he's a good man, Brad Davis. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I don't know why I don't live in Kansas City. Well, I love New Orleans too much. Um, <laughs> but another person that was synonymous with their team, Harry Ship, was a homegrown player for Chicago. He was like their player. He was he he'd grown up in Chicago, went to you know went to Notre Dame. Um, had you know was connected with that team and then they sell him to Montreal <laughs> and uh like I, for Chicago fans like he was their hope like this is the hope of Chicago right here this is our midfield and we're going to sell them um Montreal is going to be really excited though because i think he will give some solidity to their and creativity to their midfield um that will really help them to push for an MLS Cup final so It'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I don't feel too terribly bad for Harry Ship. Like, Chicago fans have basically been hopeful for a number of years. And not a whole lot of it, anything has come out of their hope. So going from Chicago to Montreal, I think, at least for him personally, gives him oh, yeah, uh, definitely. A, a great chance at making the playoffs. You know, especially this year. Like, Montreal, um, they have a very good team. I think they're likely to make the playoffs, as we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, it's a great move for him personally. But if you're a Chicago fan, it's kind of salt in the wound a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And then finally, I I still don't understand this other transfer. Blas Perez um, is uh, moves to uh, from FC Dallas to Vancouver. He was the rock. He was the the strength, the powerhouse of the front line of FC Dallas in a, a, a cast of characters that really led all straight to him. And uh, to see him move from there to Vancouver, just like, why would the Dallas do that? And I still don't understand. But it'll be fun to watch him uh, join Octavio Rivero 
in this massive, like, huge man front line. Um, that, and then he's going to get service from Pedro Morales, from Christian, ben, Christian Bolaños, who is a Costa Rican who just arrived at Vancouver, and the blistering runs of Kiketamane. I, it's going to be really cool to watch Vancouver play this year. Yeah, they're going to be a very good team. And, yeah, Perez fits perfectly in with that just monstrously huge front line for Vancouver. Yeah. He's He was, I think, about the sole bruiser forward on FC Dallas's front line. Definitely. You know, definitely. He, he was speedsters. the big guy. Yeah, so he was he was getting all of the service in the box, really. Um, but now they've got a bunch of other guys around him that defenders also have to worry about. So he could have a very good year with a very good Vancouver team. Yeah. So moving uh, on from transfers to the first weekend of MLS. So exciting just to sit and watch um, U.S. soccer again. And boy, was it exciting. 10 games, 36 goals scored. There was not a want for goal scoring. In fact, there was probably a want for defense. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And none of the, with the exception of the Galaxy game, which we'll talk about in a bit, mm-hmm. uh, there weren't really that many blowouts. They were all um, close games, they I were, thought. I think FC Dallas uh, against the Union was... It wasn't, oh, I yeah. Mean, like... The scoreline shows that it was two, but like Union never were, were in it at all. I mean, yeah, it was Dallas, one-sided. We'll say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but like with regards to go- goal scored, no, no. In fact, uh, it seemed like when I, if somebody, if one team scored a goal, then the other team scored a goal, and it was like back and forth, sort of like um, um, pick up basketball. Yep, exactly. So uh, we'll start off with. Um, the match between, uh, we'll just go through one of the some of the highlights because we won't be able to get to all because it's already thirty five minutes in and we want you to uh, go to bed or you know finish your commute. Um, but um, Orlando City uh, played against uh, Real Salt Lake in Orlando, um, and Lamar Phillips, uh, the RSL right back, earned two red cards in the first twenty minutes of play. Um, which is a talent in and of itself. <laughs> um, but that allowed for uh, Joao, ba- Joao Plata to then score two goals, one on a PK in the 26th minute, and then another assisted by Beltran um, a little bit later. And then uh, at, the, at the beginning of the second half, Karen, who uh, is a defender for uh, Orlando City, um, or rather for RSL, then gets a straight red card in the 46th minute. So both sides are now at 10 men each, which I haven't seen that in a while. Uh, and uh, so that, would, that was interesting in of itself that then they were brought back, back down to uh, the same thing. And this guy, Burrito, his name, his name is Burrito. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, what is his name? Juan uh, something, Juan Mar- Morales? Yeah, Juan, um, no, Juan Martinez. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Juan Martinez. That, he is so quick. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. He is. He is. A, he is a joy to watch. He is so much fun, and he he uh, he did one or two moves in that game that that were uh, that were awesome. And uh, but RSL's defensive uh, 
They, you know, they scored two goals earlier in the game with Joao Plata, but their defense lets up in stoppage time and allow for Kyle Laren and Adrian Winter to tie the match up in the 94th and 95th minutes in the game. It was, uh, like, a monumental breakdown of RSL's defense. Nick Romando did the best he could. He had five saves uh, throughout the game, but when you have a poor defense in front of you, it's really difficult for a goalkeeper to stop everything. Yeah, and it was... RSL sort of looked like they were starting up where they left off last season because uh, they had no problem with offense, but the defense was was a touch suspect. Um, though if I'm going to pick anyone from Orlando City to score, you know, stoppage time goals, it's going to be Kyle Laren. Yeah. Uh, he's incredible to watch as well. So moving on uh, to Chicago uh, versus NYCFC in Chicago, the first uh, you know game without Harry Ship in a, quite a few years. Um, so there, you know, the the fans are like, "What's going to happen? Is this going to work? Are we going to be good?" Well, nine minutes in, Thomas McNamara whips this sweetly struck goal from outside the box and curves it around Matt Lampson who is uh, Chicago's goalkeeper. Why Sean Johnson isn't in goal, I don't know. He wasn't injured. Um, but as as we will find out a little bit later, it seemed to might have been a poor choice to not put yeah. Johnson in goal. Um, and uh, 10 minutes later, Chicago levels with a sweet pass from uh, new signing Alturo Alvarez to, uh, to Cosio, Casio, Casio, I can't pronounce his name. Um, who, <laughs> it's who better then, than I could do. Yeah, who uh, who beats uh, Saunders easily one on one, and uh, he just made Saunders look look bad. Ten minutes later, so we've got ten minutes at the beginning, then ten minutes later, then ten minutes later, Tony Taylor pulls NYC up again after some really shoddy defense from Chicago, and you can see that they're missing some of that defensive. Uh, midfield role that Harry Ship helped with. Seven minutes after that, Mix Discarude um, plays this perfectly weighted ball over the top, right into the pass of Kyrie Shelton. And Lampson, Lampson attacks Shelton, who then dodges the keeper and has the goal open for the score. I would have loved to see Mix make a pass like that to anybody on the U.S. national team. That was a... Did you see that pass? I did. That was the only highlight from this game I saw, and I had the exact same thought. <laughs> it was like, awesome, oh. that's Mix, but could he please do that on the U.S. men's national oh. team? Please. Like, if, if that's his potential, like, oh, man. Um, that was pure low quality. Like, that would just be... Oh, yeah. Um, then four minutes into the second half, Saunders makes a huge poor distribution error. He throws the ball to his right back. Um, and right there is David Ockham, who then lays out this pass for Kennedy. I can't pronounce your last name, dude. Um, Igo, Ig, Igbaunike. 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 That's it, right there. You Kennedy got it. and Bauinike. <laughs> Um, who's, who's inside the box, uh, and he—I mean—the the goal is wide open. Saunders Saunders can't handle it, and and so the the goal moves, the score moves back. Now it's three, NYC, 
and to Chicago. 15 minutes later, Mac, uh, McNamara receives the ball um, right near the corner flag on the left-hand side. And he plunges through the defenders into the box and lofts the ball across the box right to Miss Nick Stiskerud, who makes this sweet volley past Lampson. NYC 4, Chicago 2. Ten minutes later, NYC is called for a handball in the box, and King David Ockham converts the penalty, making Lampson look like a fool, um, or rather uh, Saunders uh, look like a fool. And uh, it was not a game for the goalkeepers. No. And my thought was, mix with an assist and a goal. Can you please do that when you play for your country? (laughs) I would love that. (laughs) You know what I think part of this is? is I think, uh, so they have a new manager in Patrick Vieira, um, who was a legend at Arsenal. I mean, you can't deny the play that he had when he was at Arsenal. That's when Arsenal was, you know, with Thierry Henry and doing very well. And I think that he's allowing Mix to be creative. And then to move around the field, you notice that he's like moving all over the place um, throughout the field, whether it's in the middle, whether it's on the right. Um, and it's allowing him to kind of blend and move. And I think that gives him the freedom to make those passes and to make those shots. Whereas I feel like he, he, he he's... Uh, because Michael Bradley's also on the field, he feels... Um, constricted in that way. I'm not saying take him, like put him in place of Michael Bradley. I just, like, I think it's a psychological thing with him. Just my thoughts. Yeah, you might be right. It'll be but fun at to the see same how time, he like, does. No, go ahead. Pirlo was on the field with him. <laughs> like, and so he didn't have that problem, even though he played 90 minutes with Pirlo. So, um, but Pirlo is like the nicest guy on the face of the earth. Like, Let's let's not lie, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's like hey, let's put you for ninety minutes on the field with the guy who is a living legend when it comes to soccer. So uh, it it could be nerves, it could be you know constriction, but yeah, we'll see how how mix mix does the rest of the season. Uh, it'll be fun to watch, I think. And then another game uh, that had uh, just as almost as many goals. Um, Houston hosted the New York, the New England Revolution, and uh, Andrew Wenger, who uh, came from uh, the Philadelphia Union, had his coming out party here, and he just he put um, he really gets to experience what it's like playing with talented people around it <laughs> after you leave yeah. a Union side that well just lacked an edge. Um, mm-hmm. The goal started, though, with uh, Diego Fagundes, um, who started off the match with just this volley wonder strike at three minutes in, outside the box, curved perfectly. Just There was no way that any goalkeeper on the face of the earth, minus Tim Howard uh, versus Belgium, like, would have been able to, to, to block that shot. It was just it was a perfect goal. Um, and... Uh, by the way, just as an aside, Lee, Lee Nguyen looks ridiculous. <laughs> um, that haircut, dude. Go bald. It, it, it's, it's not a good look. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> uh, so that's the first goal. Out of six goals total in the game. Right before the half, Christian Maidana for uh, the Revs 
uh, capitalizes on the defensive confusion of Houston um, in the back line and turns uh, turns the, the the match even, um, or rather, Christian Maidana is playing for Houston, um, and so he capitalizes on some defensive confusion to bring Houston back um, into terms with New England. Um, and the Reds' uh, defense continued to, to uh, struggle throughout the game. Um, in the, the beginning of the second half, they failed to clear a ball that allowed Andrew Wenger to step up and score his first goal in a Dynamo jersey. Uh, it was just a fantastic shot. Two minutes later, though, uh, Charlie Davies ties up the game with a great counterattacking goal, just like piercing forward, Teal Bunbury's with him, and Teal Bunbury's there just to distract the defense enough for Charlie Davies to get off a shot, which is blocked, but then the block goes right into his path, and he scores um, a goal. And uh, But then Houston takes the lead for a second time after some great passes open up Giles Barnes for a powerful low finish from the right inside, uh, right inside the box, um, right, right into the goal. It was a gl- glorious shot. Uh, but then Houston thinks they've won, and the defense <laughs> is not thinking properly. Uh, New England gets a, a, a corner kick. The corner kick originally doesn't go well. It's it's cleared out back to Diego Fagundes out on the wing. He uh, he uh, crosses it into the box, and little tiny Diego Kobayashi gets his head. The little tiny, he's tiny. And he, he's the one that gets the head amongst all of these defenders and all of these attack. Like, Daigo Kobayashi is the one that gets a header onto the goal <laughs> to tie the game in the 93rd minute um, of a 95-minute game. It was uh, a great way to uh, – it had to be a great game to watch. Yeah. New England just showing a hustle from the beginning to the very end, yep. you know. A three-minute goal and a 93rd-minute goal. They, they had the gas all game. So <laughs> that's, that's good if you're a Revs fan. It is good if you're a Revs fan. So I'm going to turn it over to Zach uh, to talk about uh, Portland versus Columbus. Yep, so this is a, uh, a rematch of December's MLS Cup final um, and a bit of deja vu for both fans of both teams. Uh, Portland wins 2-1 to one, uh, at home in Portland. Uh, it's actually been the scoreline the last three times these two two teams have played. Wow! So uh, if if you're a Columbus Crew fan, that scoreline's getting a little bit old. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Portland Timbers fan, you're just fine with it. Uh, I also wanted to talk about this mostly because uh, Columbus Crew's away jerseys are absolutely awful. They're you know what they remind so me of? Ugly. They remind me of what? of uh, like summer ice cream pops. Yes, there's like this hideous light blue in there. Yeah, I yeah. don't really know what's going on. I would call that. Char- you can have... I would call that charged blue. Yeah, you can have ugly jerseys and they'll be cool. Like, just look at Norwich's jerseys this year. They're hideous, but in a cool way. Whereas Columbus's away kits are hideous in a my eyes hurt watching this for ninety yeah. minutes way. This is yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. Scoring opened 23 minutes in Portland uh, gets a beautiful goal from Diego Valeri. Uh, just beautiful touch. Uh, yeah. Uh, as yeah, he's um, deft. Yes, very much so. And they they held that that lead for uh, a solid 45 minutes until 
Iguain puts in definitely goal of the week. Uh, I saw people calling for, you know, potential early goal of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just an unreal bicycle kick from Iguain in the box. Uh, do yourself a favor. Go watch the highlight. It's incredible. We'll put a link in the show uh, notes for y'all. Yeah, I got flashbacks to um, uh, Rooney's bicycle kick yeah. versus City a couple years ago. Like, just phenomenal. Um, alas, if you were a Columbus fan, the 1-1 scoreline would not stand. Nine minutes later, uh, Fernando Adi puts uh, Portland up for good, uh, and the Timbers fans celebrate uh, even more after the game. They, they hoisted their championship uh, banner up into the rafters uh, and got their their defending uh, season underway with uh, a solid three points. Uh, the last game we're going to talk about is uh, my favorite team ever, the LA Galaxy. In case you couldn't tell, that was dripping sarcasm there. I am uh, soaking wet now. <laughs> uh, they opened up uh, with DC United at home. DC United... Recently acquired Lamar Nagel, as we talked about earlier. Looked pretty good. Five minutes in, Nagel puts DC United up, at you know, away. Looking great. Yeah. Uh, alas, DC's defense just collapses in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, started off in the 54th minute, you have Daniel Steris. Sturs? Yes. I'm terrible with names. Uh, yeah. Sturs. He's a central defender. He's one of their new central defenders. Yeah, he puts in um, just a cannon of a header off of a corner kick to to get L.A. energized and underway. Uh, Ten minutes later, Mike McGee puts in um, a glorious goal. Oh, man. Uh, He was subbed in in the second half to uh, take Giovanni DeSantos' um, place, and he was involved in every single goal that they scored. Uh, uh, assisted on two, and uh, drew a penalty for Robbie Keane's goal, which would be the third goal uh, in the 83rd minute. And then four minutes later, after drawing the penalty, uh, McGee scores again, this time from uh, Liverpool favorite Steven Gerrard. So DC looked good for the first half, and then their defense just fell apart. And the face of an LA Galaxy team that's known for sort of their money players, but didn't have many of them playing. So if you're an LA Galaxy fan, that's a good start um, because your big names uh, were either injured or not playing and you still, uh, your team still managed to, to scrape together four goals. In fact, so. I think Mike McGee is making a, making a statement and saying that I would be better than Giovanni DeSantis or even Arabi Keane. You know, Keane is, is quality. Uh, but the energy that McGee brings that will work well with Leggett and G- and Giassi Zardis on the wings, um, that I- it's going to be really exciting to see how Bruce Arena fits all of those pieces in. Um, be- but if he comes if he comes off the bench like that and does things like that, LA is going to be a really dangerous team this year because you're going to get kind of the slow movement in De Jong and and um, and Gerard with these pacey wingers on the sides and these 
semi-quality strikers in, in Keane and Dos Santos. And then you change up that rhythm totally with Mike McGee. Uh, that's going to throw defenses off enough for, to get them goals when, they don't, when they're not expecting to give them away. I, that's going to be exciting for me. Yeah, and for McGee, if he can come in and produce like that in a single half and he's replacing Dos Santos, who's been struggling, uh, that looks really good for a guy who's trying to win a starting spot as well. So he, can, he has that sort of um, dual threat where they can start him at a position mm-hmm. or he can come in you know, at a halftime or at you know, maybe the 65th or 70th minute uh, when, when defenders are starting to get wore down a little bit and then just really put the pedal to the metal in that last final third of the game. So that looks good if you're a Mike McGee fan, if you're a Galaxy fan. Uh, that's as impartial as I can get right there. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a Mike McGee fan because I would love to see him on the national team. I think he would be a great asset. But, you know, anyway. Yeah, that's a whole can of worms. <laughs> you know. Um, uh, so, to end the show, we're going to give our predictions for who will make it to the playoffs and who will make it to the MLS Cup Final. So, um, yep. do you want to go f- highly scientific, highly, highly scientific predictions scientific. based off one one weekend of play? We, uh, <laughs> well, even before that, I would have made the decisions before then. Unfortunately, we don't have uh, Father yeah. Daryl's dog to also weigh in, um, but I might see uh, talking with him off off camera um, if if maybe uh, she can do that because that would be cool just to see what um, who she would pick. Um, Ten to one, she probably wins over the two of us. <laughs> At least over me. (laughs) That would be awesome. So why don't you go ahead and make your picks for the East? Who do you think is going to make the playoffs? Okay, for the East, in no particular order, um, I have Toronto, Orlando City, Columbus, Red Bulls, New York Red Bulls, uh, Montreal Impact, and Revolution. Um, Yeah, it was... Easter's really hard to pick. Um, Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, you can pick, you know, the first couple teams that you think are going to be real good and, you know, maybe a couple that won't make it, but that, that middle ground is really, really a toss up for those of us, or for those of you listening who might not know, it's the top six teams in the East and top six teams in the West that, uh, that will make the playoffs. Yeah, that's so. a good, that's a good, uh, you should have, I should have said that. Thank you for catching that. And, uh, great. Uh, um, so do you have, you know, a favorite of those six teams that you think is going to make it to the final? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to pick Toronto to, to make it to the final. Interesting. Um, I, I'm excited to see how their, their acquisitions from last season really start to gel. I think they have the possibility to be, uh, a very explosive team scoring wise this year. Um, and they're not a traditional pick to win the league either. So uh, I think that'd be fun. They're not a traditional pick to make the playoffs either. That's <laughs> uh, true. <laughs> uh, thus, <laughs> thus, why Father Daryl's dog might beat me. <laughs> uh, for the East, uh, I would say uh, Columbus is going to make a repeat. Uh, the New York Red Bulls, I think they have a solid enough defense and offense um, to to make it to the league. I think. Uh, I think watching that first game, I think. Uh, with Patrick Vieira in charge, NYCFC is going to make it uh, to the playoffs. Oh. Uh, Montreal, I, you, you mean, 
they're the most dynamic team. I th- one of the most dynamic teams I think in all of MLS, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch them. I think Toronto is going to join them. I don't think they're as good. I think their defense lacks something. Uh, obviously, uh, Giovinco is you know was MVP last year and would continue to be good. Michael Bradley, but uh, they still lack some defensive uh, strength and a, really a goalkeeper that will. Um, that will be of of help to them, and then finally New England. I think New England's gonna uh, gonna be in the mix. Uh, but with all that, I I don't think Toronto is the best team. Uh, I think they're gonna give up mm-hmm. too many goals for them to be as good as you think that they would be. I think Columbus uh, is going to repeat um, to get into the final. I don't, you know, God only knows if they if they uh, they win. But I I think uh, that if they're able to continue on the form that they had last year that uh, they will make it to the final. If it is not Columbus, I think it's going to be Montreal. Uh, yeah, not bad. I'll laugh when Toronto wins it, which they won't. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, as for the West, who do you think is going to make uh, the playoffs for the West? Which six teams do you choose? The West was a little bit easier. It's also the conference I'm more familiar with. But, uh, again, no particular order. Uh, Galaxy, Los Angeles Galaxy, Portland Timbers, FC Dallas, uh, Sporting Kansas City, uh, Houston, and Seattle are the six that I picked. And uh, were there any teams that you had to kind of like, "Mm, this team might make it, but... um... Mm. I think I put I put Seattle in as my last spot into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was sort of hemming and hawing about who I was gonna gonna put in there. Um, I think it really comes down to it's it's not necessarily that Seattle is better than the teams that I don't have in the playoffs. Uh, it may be just that they're not as bad, <laughs> which <laughs> sounds horrible to say, uh, but. RSL, Real Salt Lake, uh, Colorado, they're they're just not that good this year. I don't yeah. think Colorado hasn't been good for years. Mm-hmm. So uh, Seattle, I think, is is rebuilding a little bit. Um, I'm not a Seattle fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they they squeak in. Yeah. Um, for myself, uh, LA, uh, uh, I think they're they're good enough. I think Dallas looks fantastic. Seattle, Portland, Kansas City, and Houston. So I agree with you on all six. Um, oh, wow. That uh, may be the first time that's happened for us doing predictions for anything definitely. where we've agreed I was, all the way. I struggled with putting Houston in. Um, I think uh, I think Real Salt Lake has the potential uh, to make it into the play, to eke out that, that kind of sixth spot. I think San Jose has the potential to eke out that sixth spot. Um, uh, and I think it's a... Um, it's a lot more of a. There's a lot more competition uh, in the West in that regards, um, just because LA will have great games and they will have poor games. You know, Portland mm-hmm. and Dallas will be pretty consistent, but I think you know, as, as, uh, Sporting Kansas City, Seattle, uh, Houston, like we're gonna go up and down. I just, uh, you know, we we haven't yeah. been um, as uh, strong. Uh, the past few years, and with the acquisitions that all the teams have gotten, it doesn't look like they, you know, we can look and see in the future, but um, that will be strong enough for them to uh, um, to be a shoe in I think uh, uh, Portland and Dallas are. 
Like those two teams, I think, are the best in the league. But uh, for me personally, I think Dallas is going to make it to the final. Um, who do you think? I also picked Dallas um, after Sporting was eliminated last season from the playoffs. They were the team I followed the most, uh, purely from the fact that they are just fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, they play incredibly quick soccer um, and pulled out just some stunning goals and games in the playoffs last year. Um, I think it'll come down to either them or Portland, um, but I give, I give Dallas the edge there. I think you said something kind of interesting just a moment ago, too. The Western Conference, now that I look at it, has a lot of teams that tend to be very streaky. Yeah. Whereas the East tends to, you have the same teams that are tend to be very good every mm-hmm. year. Whereas the West has teams that they'll win eight games in a row. Mm-hmm. And then they'll drop four in a row, you know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what, what causes that, but that's an interesting thing you mentioned. I think, there, I think, I think. it's just because uh, they're... Uh, I think East, the East is going to experience that a little bit more this year, but I, because there's more talent and there's more competition, um, you know, the only teams really that are going to be poor, I think, are going to be Philadelphia and Chicago. Um, and so I think uh, these those other teams are going to pull out wins that maybe last year, you know, Orlando City might have, uh, you know, they struggled, NYC, FC struggled, um, and I think they're going to pull out a few more wins that maybe people wouldn't be expecting. You know, when they play, um, when they play LA Galaxy and Orlando pulls out, you know, a win, or you know, uh, NYCFC just so happens to to push to outscore Dallas. <laughs> I don't think they'll they'll defend well against Dallas, but I think they they might be able to score enough goals to out just outscore Dallas. You know, and so things like that yeah. they could they can pull out these wins that people don't maybe expect. Um, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think the West is going to be really fun to watch this year. And that's that's who I tend to watch more of anyways, uh, just because of where my allegiances lie. Yeah. But it's it's going to be a good season, I think. There's going to be some surprises along the way, I'm sure. Well, uh, we have reached our allotted time. Uh, we hope that you have enjoyed our returning to the podcast Airways. Uh, please... Uh, uh, share this with everybody since we haven't been around for a while and so uh, it's very possible that you we have been deleted from a lot of podcast feeds which is understandable (laughs) um so (laughs) if you could uh you know let people know that we're back uh doing this and hope to be continuing doing it every two weeks uh talking about the wide world of soccer um and uh so, you can find me on Twitter at Colonel for God, C O L O N E L, the number four G O D. Zach, where can they find you? They can also find me on Twitter at Beggar's Son, which is B E G G A R S S O N. And uh, you can find the, the show notes at sportsfathers.com. Uh, please uh, check us out. God bless. Have a good day, everybody.